Welcome to the Ambitious Introvert Podcast, created especially for introverts, empaths, and highly sensitive entrepreneurs to help you build, grow, and scale a successful, sustainable business. I'm your host, Emma Louise Parks, business and mindset coach for ambitious introverts. After 17 years working as an air traffic controller, the ultimate fast-paced, high-stimulus, extrovert-friendly role My mission now is to show introverts that they too can create big results and success because of who they are, not in spite of it. I focus on introvert-friendly business and marketing strategy to help you switch overwhelm for clarity, confidence, and clients. Do you think of yourself as a personal brand? Probably not. Quite often when we come into the online space, we end up thinking, I'm a coach, I'm a consultant, I'm a web designer, whatever. And we don't really think about ourselves being a brand. But honestly, you really are. And today's guest is Vix Meldrew, founder of Grow & Glow. She's a personal branding and influencer educator. She teaches creators and creative business owners how to build their personal brands on social media. An ex-primary school teacher, she's built a community of over 700 founders, partnered with Pinterest, ShopStyle and others for member trainings, sold out a group coaching program in one day just through Instagram stories. And I have been a follower of Vix for so long. And today is the first day I get to speak to her properly. So I am really excited. Vix, thank you so much for joining me. Yay, what an intro. Thank you so much. I'm very, very excited to be here and to meet you as well. I feel like we've chatted about so many random things in the DMs from feminist books to Starling Bank, I remember, (laughs) (laughs) and Twirls. Orange twirls. Yeah. Obviously, always twirls. <laughs> so I'm really thrilled that you are a guest and I have loved watching your brand evolve and grow over the time that I've followed you for maybe the last year. It really has, hasn't it? I think it's wild to me to think year on year on year where things go, change, pivot, up, down, especially in 2020 as well. But yeah, it's been a time. Yeah, I've certainly seen all of the pivots. Yeah. But what I've really loved about watching you is you may have pivoted uh, your services slightly or what you're offering, but I've always felt like your brand is really you. And I think that's such an important thing where people think I've got to build a brand. What does that even mean? Yeah, 100%. And I feel like the word authenticity is banded around quite a lot. However, where people sometimes go wrong when they're building a brand is that they think they have to be a brand that they've kind of envisioned and pictured in their mind. And it goes either two ways. They either lose the authenticity because they're trying to be a brand and they've forgotten to be their true selves and that that is their brand. Um, Or they go the other way. And there's this kind of like layer of false authenticity that comes in where they try to be something that they're not oh so relatable, you know trying to appeal to all different types of people when really you kind of get a bit unstuck if you try to do that. I've definitely been there in the past and it really has been in this last year where I've just leaned more and more into exactly who I am and being much more unapologetic for that, not trying to fit this mold or that mold or bend in this way and try and fit in with this crowd. It's just like, no, it's me and this is where we're going with it. And I feel like that is definitely coming across more and more And how did you feel your way into that? Like, what were the points where you went, this didn't really feel like me anymore? It was definitely like being surrounded in my community with so many incredible people who show up as themselves and as a brand all the time, but just fully like themselves, no pretenses, no airs and graces. 
that was almost what gave me permission. So I was like, I'm here guiding this community and I can see really truly that they're doing it every single day. And I felt like I'm like 99% of the way there, but it was just being around those people that just made me take that little extra step into the kind of screw it. This is warts and all. Here we go. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, bugger off. <laughs> Love that. I know something went because I only joined social media last year. So although I'd been coaching offline, I only joined social media at the ripe old age of 39. So that was a <laughs> hell of a shock, as you can imagine. And to me, like showing up with a selfie or something, that was almost a little bit vulgar because I was just thinking it's people showing off. I didn't realize the impact of people getting to know you and, you know, showing your face. And once I realized that and how powerful it was, I'm like, well, I'm not going to put a filter on it. I'm just going to be me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And you know, that's one of the biggest uh, questions that I get from people building a brand or the, one of their biggest stumbling blocks is that they always say at the beginning, oh, but I don't want to be posting selfies and I don't want to be talking to camera on stories and I don't want to be showing myself off. It feels narcissistic, it feels vulgar, it feels icky, it feels this, that and the other. But actually when they learn more about what it means to be a brand online and what it means to show up as yourself and, and be you know, your true self online, you can start taking those perceptions of like the ickiness away. And as long as you know, like you said, you're turning up unfiltered as yourself, then that yeah, it doesn't feel so gross and so narcissistic because you actually just see the value that you're bringing to everyone that you're showing up for. I got a friend to keep me accountable. We had a face check. I was like, I'm going to show my face on stories every day for a month <laughs> just to get into the habit. So she had to send me a tip when she'd seen it. Lovely. And so it was like, it just forced me to show up as me because I might not be <sighs> leaving the house. I probably wasn't leaving the house or I'm not doing anything interesting. And for the longest time, I felt like I'd got to be doing something interesting mm. for people mm-hmm. to care. And she was like, just take a picture of you with your coffee or you know, a picture of you yeah. with the cat and just show up as you. And that was what people responded to the most. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like my biggest shift has come from sort of starting out as like a blogger slash influencer content creator before moving more into the educator space, which is interesting. We're saying like leaning into truly authentic who you are. I went on a retreat a couple of years ago and I sat down with this group of women and I was like, I feel like I'm trying to be this and I feel like my confidence is holding me back from that and I feel like I'm having to apologize for this or I'm having to be this way and that way. And all of these women turned around to me and they said, Vix, you are a teacher. Like you've been a teacher, you are a teacher. It's in your genetics. Like that is who you are. You're a teacher. That's what you need to show up as. It took me like another five or six months after that to like fully get to grips with it. But I think that is that power of like what we were saying about just honing in on your core values and who you are and showing up in that way, you know, because then that is where you then really connect with the people in the right way. Coming from like the influencer content creator background, I was kind of like, how much should I be in this crowd? Is this type of content I should be putting out online? Is this how I should be showing up online? Um, This is what everyone else is doing. So should that be what I do? And when I realized that I was having all of these questions, that's when I realized that it wasn't 1000% authentic because I was having to ask these questions and when exactly like you said I kind of turned around to myself and said I'm going to show a picture of me drinking my diet coke today or I'm going to show me chatting about my dog walk today or something like that that's when I was like I didn't have to question that it's just coming out and it's intentional in one way but authentic in the other way so I think there is definitely something in that I found for me, that's a real block to creativity. If I feel like I've got to do a certain thing, Mm. you know, I tried following like story schedules. So it's Mm -hmm. like, do a value post today and do a sales post this day and do this or 
you know, show up and have these brand pillars. So Mm -hmm. it should include your dog or it should include this and that. And I was overthinking it so much to try and fit into this mold that I was Mm -hmm. like, actually, I'd rather just not show up some days if there's nothing to show. And Mm -hmm. I'd rather be there a lot another day when I've got things to share that Mm -hmm. are actually relevant. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes those prompts type things are quite helpful in a way that like it gets you doing things it's almost like it's training a muscle Mm. so that then you just know without even having to look at a prompt or look at a list or look at a checklist, you know that you've shown up with value, you're showing up to sell, you're showing up to serve, you're showing up to show the things that stand out about your brand. And it just becomes that like trained muscle. um, And then you don't realize that you're doing it, but you are. So it feels so much easier. Yeah. Like me showing my face every day. Yeah. <laughs> Building the muscle by getting a tick emoji from my friend. Yeah. Love Thanks, that. Amy. <laughs> so why is a brand so important? I mean, the online space is noisy. We know mm-hmm. that. But what is it about building an actual brand that's going to allow people to succeed? For me, the reason why I'm so passionate about personal branding is almost it's like the backbone. It's the intention. It's the direction. It's the thing that keeps you on your path to where you want to be. And the best thing about it is that it has your core values right at the heart. So when I started looking into personal branding and learning more about it and reading all the books and and teaching in this way, one of the big influences was Simon Sinek's Start With Why. It's a great book about how every kind of brand person ever needs to have a why. And you can have a personal why and a business why. And when I did some work around that and my core values and I settled on what my personal why was, what my business why was and what my values were, that is what was the foundation of my brand. So then building your personal brand around that, and the personal brand has so many different elements. It's not just your color palette, your logo, and your website. It's got so many different elements. But if you can always check in with your personal why, business why, and values, then it just keeps everything you do online, in your business, in person, so aligned, so intentional. And then you never find yourself steering off in the kind of, in the wrong way. and you can apply that to kind of big businesses. You know, sometimes we see big corporations drop an absolute clangor on Twitter and you think like, oh my gosh, nobody would associate your brand with that. Why have you done that? You know, it's an absolute clangor. And it's so obvious because it doesn't align with the values that people associate with that brand. So then it trickles down to you, me, everybody else in our communities and in our spaces that are building these kind of like one person brands. We need to have those core values at our heart because anytime we start drifting away from them and start doing things that are out of character or doing things that are air quotes off brand, it's a shock to our audience and it's a shock to the people who've come to know, like and trust us. So, yeah, that's why I'm a big advocate for seeing ourselves in that way. I think core values are such an underrated aspect in anything. Mm. And it's one of the first things that I do with any client that I work with is Mm. identify your top three core values. Or a lot of times I'll ask them, I'll say, what are your core values? And they'll be like, oh, this, this, and this. But then I take them through a really thorough values elicitation and it turns out quite often they not. Because obviously they evolve, we change over time. You'll have the ones that are you, fundamentally you, but they do change. But knowing that and you know, keep doing them regularly, maybe every six months, mm-hmm. and then every decision you make, as you say, in your business, in your life, it should be like, is it tied to this? Is it aligned to this? Does it yeah. align with my core values? And if it doesn't, then don't even give it space. Yeah, exactly that. And it's just a really good way to keep checking in on yourself, checking in on your progress, checking in on what's making you happy. If you're enjoying what you're doing, if you can bring it all back to that, you're doing well. And I love what you said there about the brand. I worked with a wonderful brand strategist a few months ago called Hilary Hartlin. Hi, Hilary. 
And she said the amount of people that are like, oh, you do logos and color palettes and do you do websites? And she's like, no, I'm Mm. a brand strategist. And she worked for Disney for 15 years, I think. So she's all about, you know, pulling the story out and your core values Mm. and your brand words. And how do you want your audience to feel and how do you Mm. want them to perceive you? And all of that is so, so vital. But people are just like, oh, what color should I put? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. I think that's definitely the biggest misconception around branding because I get a lot of those questions in my DMs like, Vix, what do you think about the look of my grid? Or this is my new logo. What do you think? And I, as much as I love that and I love colours and I love fonts and I am a very visually graphic-y kind of person, I do love that side of things. I always wish I could have trained as a graphic designer. That would be my one thing I wish I was good at, sort of graphic design and web design. It's about the story behind the brand. It's about the values behind the brand and then how that forms your strategy and then the color palettes and the logos and the fonts come into it and your social presence come into it and all those other things come into it but that's not the core of the brand so brand fix meldrew started as a blog mm. how many different evolutions would you say you've been through since that very first blog post oh my gosh so many i remember my very very first so i first started blogging because i followed so many fashion and lifestyle bloggers who i fell in love with i fell in love with them as people and their style and their confidence and their personalities. And I thought, that's what I want to do. So my very first iteration of the blog was like a fashion, beauty, lifestyle blog. But this was very much me trying to just fit into the kind of blogger mold. This is what I mean about learning so much more about myself in my 30s, in my kind of late 20s. I was like, oh, this person's style is this, so I'm going to emulate that. And these are the beauty products that everyone's using. So I'm going to use that, even though I'm really lazy when it comes to beauty and skincare. (laughs) I just like my free product kind of things, and that's it. But I was trying to kind of keep up in like the blogger mold in the early iterations. Then I went through some personal life changes in terms of finding myself single, having to live by myself for the first time, and then shortly after losing my mum. So I was in a very different place with my mental health, uh, with my the whole life. You know, I'd been in a relationship for five years, now single for the first time at like 28, 29. I think 29 maybe, I can't remember. So facing all these new life things. So then the blog pivoted to being about dating relationships and mental health. Then my husband came along, you know, my boyfriend came along, couldn't write about dating anymore. So then it pivoted more to be like personal development and mental health because I was still struggling with my mental health. Then I went through therapy and my mental health got better. And I thought, well, I'm not writing about depression anymore. I'm not writing about dating anymore. How can I pivot it again? And that's when it was around that time that I left teaching and started blogging full time. And I had so many people in the community come to me and say, Vix, how did you do it? Like, you're not the stereotypical influencer. You don't have hundreds of thousands of followers. You haven't even got 10,000 followers. How are you getting so many brand deals? How are you managing to go part-time teaching it and turn this into a business? So that's when I thought, actually, what I'm really passionate about is showing other people, you know, mentoring, like we were chatting about before, when we've spoken before, uh, mentoring people into taking the same path that I took. And then that has just kind of evolved from there. It's just finding that that was really my passion. I love teaching about starting your own personal brand. So yeah, how many iterations is that? Four, five? (laughs) How many different logos, themes, color palettes, all of that kind of stuff? I mean, this is why I'm not the visual branding expert because I've probably had like 15 iterations of that as well. I think what you've taken and carried through all of them, like you were saying, is you and your values. And it doesn't matter if you are talking about skincare or being in therapy or a breakup or getting married or Instagram. If you are being you, 
that's your brand. And I see this a lot in a lot of my listeners are coaches and consultants or done for you service providers. And they can actually pivot their messaging really quite regularly, you know, maybe every six months. They are still a coach or a mentor, but actually they're just focusing on one aspect of the market. But if they're still being themselves, yeah. it still comes across really, really well. And they don't alienate the following that they've already built up. Yeah, 100%. If you're a coach and one of your biggest values is that you love to empower women in their confidence, you could pivot your coaching business to be to small business owners, to be newly married women, to be women in their sort of like 50s or 60s. Like your audience can change, but your core value and message stays the same and your offering can change or your audience can change. But what underpins all of that can always stay the same. I do feel like that's where I've been I don't like using the word lucky, but maybe fortunate in that a lot of my audience that I've had from 2015, most of them have probably fallen away, you know, when I stopped blogging about dating or stopped talking about this, that and the other. I do still have a really nice section of that audience that has been there through every single iteration. And I think, slash hope, it's like you said, my personality hasn't changed, my sense of humor hasn't changed, my opinions on things have changed. I think we evolve and we grow, but like my core values and core beliefs have never changed and never wavered. So exactly like you said, you can then pivot and you can then try all these different things because what people are buying into is you as the person. And if that doesn't change, then they're still going to be your person, you know? And people can obviously see the benefit in that larger brands because you were partnering with them, like you say, when you've got less than 10,000 followers. And Mm. this is something that I'm really passionate about is vanity metrics on social media. Oh, yeah. Because I monetized my Instagram at 400 and something followers. I didn't have any other social media. And I had a five-figure month at about 800. And I see so many people going, oh, you need 10,000 followers to get the swipe up. Or you need this and you need that. And then when you look into it, there are all these stories of people with huge followings. But they haven't really nurtured a community. And they can't monetize Mm. it in the slightest. So I love that you started off really authentic, low number of followers in, you know, in real terms and still managed to get these partnerships. And obviously now you've expanded. So what are your thoughts on the vanity metrics? Yeah, I think there's been this like thing with Instagram where people have always felt that followers and likes are the two most important things. But I've never felt that followers or likes have ever translated into relationships or money at the bottom line um so for me that's why they're vanity metrics because it's sure those people that like my posts are then you know a proportion of the people that like the post then go on to share the post save the post and comment on the post but, you know that kind of dwindles down into the smaller and smaller number but it tends to be the people that are commenting dming and sharing are the ones that become members to my community or sign up to one of my programs or want to hire me for a one-to-one consultation so that doesn't matter in likes and followers because that's why they're the vanity metrics. They don't translate into those deeper relationships. So I think that's definitely somewhere where Instagram has gone wrong along those lines is that there's been this huge, and I think that's probably why they wanted to start getting rid of likes. I don't know where we are up to with that. Some people can see them, some people can't. But, you know, it's the people that are in your DMs that they're the ones that are going to work with you and buy with you. And I find that, you know, you can have, sure, the volume of dms and volume of comments and volume of your metrics changes the more followers you have but it doesn't mean the quality changes you know there's always going to be that core group of people that are your people and you know 
sure it can grow and you can attract new people and you can attract new eyes the more you grow your following but yeah it's kind of relative isn't it but it doesn't equal quality for sure yeah and I think that's what people see it's like oh that person's got 20,000 followers and you know look how many people are liking their post Mm. or whatever but you don't know as you say how many people are sharing it you don't know how many Mm. actual connections that they make in in the Mm -hmm. dms because my audience are mainly introverts they're not big commenters and likers so when I do post if it's the call to actions like comment below a lot of times they won't if I make Mm. the call to action dm me that's very different because it feels you know a lot more private and and personal it's not necessarily in dm me in a way of you know oh to work with me it's just like tell me what you're thinking about this because I know you might be a little bit too shy to post it Mm. yeah 100% so people could look at my post and be like "Mm, no one's engaged with that I've just signed a client in the DM because... I know, but then also, like, you might see somebody that's got 100 comments, but if 98 of emojis or love this or yeah, that the number doesn't equal the quality. You know, I'd, ra- I'd much rather have 10 comments on a post that's engaged with what the post says and, you know, answer a question or give me their opinion or give me their experiences, give me good data that I can use to help people more and more. It's way more valuable than the volume of empty, you know, metrics, comments, likes that you can get. Love this is my like nightmare as an introvert who yeah. hates small talk because I see yeah, someone's yeah. commented, love this. And first of all, I go, it's probably a bot or someone doing their engagement. <laughs> they haven't even read my post. And I'm like, I've got to muster up the energy to reply to it. Like, what do I say? What can I say? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my with an emoji. That, yeah. With an emoji. Yeah. I think that the whole, um, Yeah, I think there's been a bit of a scourge of these like, you know, what engagement looks like on Instagram and what engagement's important on Instagram. And I think that it's very much been pushed that it's the volume of engagement rather than the quality. So therefore, people are engaging at volume, but because they're engaging at volume, they don't have the energy to engage, you know, in quality. They've gone wide rather than deep. Yeah, exactly that. And it's really tough um, because has been come to be expected you know it's almost like people would much rather you reply to them I love this than not at all whereas I'm the opposite I'd much rather much rather you didn't comment I'd much rather you just dm'd me or you know because I always feel like I have to reply to my comments as much as possible and like you to muster up the energy to find a reply to a love this as an introvert you know where's that energy store coming from it could be best spent somewhere else yeah it's very different because if you get really engaged like relevant comment you can't wait to respond to it because it's like your energy's gone yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) totally that's it that's my one for the day (laughs) yeah yeah. I know and I think that is a conversation that we need to change around on Instagram and on these social media platforms is you know our time is precious we're building businesses we have you know our time needs to be used for our clients for our families on our self-development and self-care on our businesses on Everything that we're running behind the business, Instagram is just one facet. Social media is just one facet of building a brand. There's so many more areas to to focus on. So please, may I reserve my energy and use it somewhere else? You know, that kind of boundary setting for sure, because there is a lot of that empty vanity stuff. It's draining. Yeah, 100%. And you need to put your energy into the place that's going to grow you and grow your business the most. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have loved hearing your wisdom as ever. I would love to know if you were to meet another ambitious introvert who is starting or scaling an online business today, 
and they asked you for one book recommendation to help them along the way, what would it be? So I mentioned Simon Select Start With Why earlier. I've got so many book recommendations, but if I had to pick one, uh, maybe I could have two. I'm going to do that annoying thing where I can have two. One would be a Donald Miller, a build a story brand. Yeah. Um, that's all around, um, again, very similar to Start With Why is having your story, but it's also that be- the brilliant thing of taking the focus away from you being the hero of the story and making your audience the hero of your story. So that's really good for introverts because <laughs> just, you're rather the guide than the full energy superhero main character. And then another book that's um, not a business book, but changed the game for me was uh, Playing Big by Tara Moore. I love that um, book. Honestly, I, I, think, I, think I think about it every day or I talk about it every day. And it's that permission uh, slip to be truly who you are and to, you know, always be guided by your inner mentor and to really stay true to, you know, if you are introverted, if you are, you know, feeling the comparison of like, oh, you know, I'm not showing up in the same way other people are showing up because, you know, it takes X, Y, Z from me to be able to do that. It's your permission slip to say, be you, play as you are, be big as you are. And the people who matter don't mind and the people who mind don't matter. Oh, it's Dr. Seuss. Yeah. It's, oh, what is it? Something about, you know, just yeah, be yourself because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And it gives me that vibe of like staying true to myself. So yeah, they're my, I know you said one, but they're my two. That's okay. You can have two and they are two great choices. I love both of them and start with why by Simon Sinek. So Three for the price of one today. Yeah, there you go. Yay. Vix, thank you so much for joining me. And where can people find you on Instagram? Oh, well, I'd love you to come and see me on Instagram at Vix Meldrew. Um, I've got my website, which is VixMeldrew.com. If you're interested in personal branding and wanting more guidance on building a personal brand for yourself, we've got my community, which is Grow and Glow. You can find us on the website at GrowGlow.co or you can find us on Instagram at GrowGlow.co. Fabulous. And I'll pop all of those in the show notes for people too. Yay. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight. Thank you so much. Take care. Cool. Chat soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ambitious Introvert Podcast with me, Emma Louise Parks. If you enjoy this show, please, please subscribe, rate and leave a review on iTunes. As a thank you, one lucky reviewer each month will win a 60 minute one on one coaching session with me where you'll get the clarity and confidence to attract your ideal clients. And if you know someone who could benefit from listening to the show, then please do share and help me reach as many fellow ambitious introverts as possible.